This is the River Radius, a cultural nexus of rivers, people, and boats. I am your host, Sam Carter. Welcome. Right after I took over the first river company that I actually managed, I'm in this gas station in this little town, right? I'm standing in line, and there's two guys in front of me, obviously raft guides, wearing shirts of the company that they work for. And I literally hear one turn to the other, and he says, Oh, hey, have you heard about that faggot they got running such and such company down the road? Talking about me. They have no clue who I am. All they know is what they've heard through the rumor mill, that there is a faggot running a river company, and they cannot fucking believe it. That was so eye-opening to me. That was one of the very one of the few times that I very clearly remember in my head just thinking like, I'll never be accepted here. These are people that I don't know that feel so comfortable in making statements like this that they'll do it surrounded by raft guides in this gas station wearing the t-shirt of their company. They felt so comfortable in that homophobia and where they are that they had no problem saying that, not knowing who the hell I am. I leaned up to him. I said, hey, I'm JC. I'm that faggot running the company down the road. If you got anything else you want to talk about, you know where I am. And I literally, I didn't even buy my beer. I sat on the counter and walked out. Today's episode comes to you from the life of a modern river guide, a guide who made the choice to be a career river guide and a river operations manager. John Covington, known by his friends as JC, has managed guide companies for several years and today manages a river outfitter in the Southwest United States. JC has been guiding rivers for 10 years and he has been openly gay for all of that time. His guide career has been full of the fun and hard work that comes with the guide life, and his guide career has been clouded by homophobia from some of his peers and from some of the guided clients. As the river guiding season of 2024 begins to open up, I was able to sit down next to the Colorado River in January and talk with JC about his river life and guide work. My name is John Covington. I go by JC in the river world, uh, which is pretty much my entire world. I am currently an operations manager for a company, uh, river company out of Moab, Utah. Can you tell me, tell me about your river guiding, kind of your river guiding path, your history, like the compressed version of that, of that history? Yeah. Uh, compressed version is I've spent about a decade guiding in the Southeast. So Tennessee and North Carolina predominantly, uh, moved out here, uh, January of 2023. So almost right at a year now. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in the Southeast, what kind of boats, what kind of boats are you running? What kind of rivers are you running? Yeah, uh, commercially we're running paddle boats, um, so it's not often you see oar boats in the southeast, just to begin with. Um, but yeah, we're running paddle boats, uh, you know, 12 to 16 foots in a lot of places, um, and the rivers are a lot different. You're, you're talking, you know, classic Appalachian drop pool creaking stuff um, over these big, big, wide, big water, high volume rivers out here. Yeah, and when you worked in the southeast, you were guiding paddle boats. You were also an operations manager in some places? Yeah, yeah. Uh, For the most part, the Southeast is a river manager instead of operations. But uh, yeah, I've been a river manager at a couple different companies. And you identify as gay, as queer? Tell me about that. Yeah, I'm a proud gay outdoorsman. I have been pretty much since I've worked in the outdoors. Tell me more about what you understand about the greater LGBTQ plus river guiding community. It's hard for me to speak for the entire community, right? Because uh, being gay or queer in the outdoors isn't like a monolith. Everyone has such different experiences. You know, a a lot of that, I'd say, has to do with what rivers there are on geographically. 
as far as how many, you know, queer identifying people are in the industry, that's so hard to tell, right? Because we're in these super rural areas and a lot of times there is just a handful of us on on every river. Uh, so in, in, you know, a decade plus of, of working in the river industry, I have met quite a few queer identifying people that guide for sure. Uh, some of them who stick with it and stay with it and made a career out of it. Some of them who have only spent a, a season, maybe two seasons doing it as well. Uh, so it's, I wouldn't say we're few and far between, but we're definitely not up in the kind of forefront of a lot of river communities. But, you know, the other aspect of that is like queer people have always been in the outdoors. They've always been in these spaces. I think the question is whether they feel comfortable enough to share that part of their life with their coworkers, their guests, the people they boat with. You know, that's that's a di- whole different aspect to it. I asked you about your guide history, but I didn't ask you about your river relationship. Tell me about your just your personal relationship with rivers. Yeah, I mean, it. it it runs deep, right? Like I've made a, a career out of, of commercial rafting and rivers for me are like the great equalizer, right? Like the river doesn't care who you are as long as you respect it and know what you're doing, you know? Like that was one of the most kind of appealing things to working in the outdoors for me um, was just like, hey, you know, the wilderness doesn't doesn't care. Wilderness and the rivers specifically accept you if you have the the right amount of respect for it. Rivers to me are just like, you know, being free. Like rapids are, you know, it's hard to, it's always hard to quantify how you feel going through rapids. Um, you know, for me, it's like such a adrenaline rush when you're, you're boating big stuff, but it's also like you have that adrenaline equalizer where it doesn't, like you're so focused, right? You're in this massive rapid and your adrenaline's pumping but you're full focused on what's happening and that's that's a feeling like i've never you know felt before so you said 10 years in the southeast yeah so you worked for 10 years in the southeast as a river guide you're a career river guide you're you've taken that path but eventually you you leave that region of river guiding why why did you move on yeah that's that's a you know that's a tough one to to put into words uh i was with a company i'd been with the company for quite a few years um was managing that company and there were some some pretty major things that happened um at that company related to my sexual orientation that that drove me to to quit managing um and leave the southeast so some major things happened what what can you tell me what can you explain yeah, so the the specifics and the details, um, I can't get into. Um, I'm currently suing that company in federal court at the moment for sexual harassment, discrimination, and retaliation. Um, so I can't discuss the specific events that happened. But they were, you know, bad enough that I quit a management position at a company that I had been with for years that some of my closest friends um, worked for owners that I had considered family who called me their adopted son. Um, it was, it was a lot. So then without getting into those details, which I understand, I mean, the court case is ongoing. What were the experiences that impacted you in different ways, like mentally, emotionally, were there physical impacts? Was there like a loss of feeling safe? 
talk through that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately I left because I didn't feel safe anymore emotionally and towards the end of it physically. I was scared for my physical safety at one point before I quit. But it was it was such an impact that I felt like so completely ostracized from these people that I had considered family and friends and my guides and it was like honestly it was devastating for me. I was like completely in the wind. I didn't know what I was doing. I left that company. I ended up moving back into my dad in Texas. Um, and like no clue what I was going to do. I was seriously reconsidering whether the river industry was even something that I wanted to continue in after, you know, years and years of dealing with instances and microaggressions and being the butt of jokes and all these things. And it was it was just completely devastating. I didn't know what to do. I moved back to Texas. I was without work for a couple months. I was deeply depressed because I had thought that, you know, my entire career just got ripped out from underneath me. And I really didn't see a pathway forward at the time to continue uh, running rivers. And, you know, I took a job waiting tables, something that I didn't want to do. I was, mm -hmm. you know, severely, severely unhappy. And, uh, yeah, it was just my, my entire life. I had created a life on that river with that company. Um, you know, all my friends were, were on that river and I just felt like my life kind of had ended. Like, have you, have you shed that emotional luggage, you know, like, is it still with you like that? Yeah. 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 I mean, there was, um, yeah, I mean, I still think about it. I'm still tied up with this, this, this court case that I'm pursuing and, um, it does take up a lot of, of mental bandwidth thinking about this that I had, you know, devoted years of my, you know, my blood, sweat, and tears um, to be accepted into this industry. Like it was a, it was a hard thing for me. And I spent years working in the industry with this like mentality that if I, you know, showed up, I boated hard, I, you know, gave guests a great experience. I managed these companies. I was fair to my guides, you know, all these things. I felt like if I did all these things right, then eventually these people um, that would look differently at me because I'm a gay man, eventually I could like somehow earn their respect, even though I'm gay. And I spent years in that mentality of just like going hard, like, you know, trying to like carve out my own place and eventually, like, I switched that thinking from, like, I don't have to do these things to show them that I can be in this industry even though I'm gay, right? It's that I boat and I boat hard and I'm gay. Like, there's a big difference with that. So, like, you know, some of that was, you know, internalized, but it was because of what the community as a whole was giving me right and left, which was that, like, this kind of always you're on the outside type thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's still, it's absolutely still with me. Um, it still, you know, hurts to, to think about what I walked away from in the Southeast for sure. Right. I think about like, there's the emotional pain that comes to you and that hangs with you. But I also think about the giving that you did in your own, I'm assuming this, but there's like the giving that you did to invest in these work relationships. But also for me, when I was guiding one of the coolest parts about guiding was the friends like the yeah. caliber of friendships that you mm -hmm. develop from 
trusting people in situations that can your life can be compromised. Mm-hmm. You know, doing that on the river and then walking walking out of that day with these people and like that level of friendship is there's other places you can find that, but it's hard to come by that. I guess that to me that's so important to also hear about that part, mm-hmm. like the social friendship loss that, that happened. I still have very close friends in the Southeast, um, for sure. I have a, a, a nice handful of people who have stuck by me and all of this, other boaters that realize all these things happen and how detrimental having these things happen to the river community as a whole is, right? So I've had, you know, I still have fantastic, very close friends that I talk to all the time in the Southeast. But yeah, like you said, at least with single day guiding, right? The river I was on, the trips were an hour and a half on the water. You know, you're back at the outpost every day hanging out with these people after trips in, you know, in the single day paddling where you're with these people all the time, especially when, you know, half the staff is living on property. That was so insanely hard for me that these people who I'd been living and working with for seasons would behave in such ways And even if it wasn't other people who would stand by and allow those things to happen as well. So that was, that was so eye opening for me. And that like, that hurt, like that hurt so bad to see these people who I thought I was chill with. I thought I was cool with, I considered friends um, and to see their, what they thought of me just completely change. And I'm not naive enough to say like all of a sudden their, their thoughts on my sexual orientation, just like changed completely right i always think how many years i've known some of these people how many years they had these exact thoughts about me that they just didn't vocalize and why now that they thought it was a a good time to vocalize those things you know like that's that's another thing that hurts really bad thinking about like years i spent with some of these people being friends with them and like now realizing that like no they always had these prejudices against me losing that whole community really was like i said i was i was lost after that today's episode is sponsored by aed one stop shop are you a river guide or a river outfitter are you looking for aeds at a good price aed one stop shop is providing a bulk order discount on their aed bundles right now that allows for complete deployment of aeds throughout your river outfitting company this bundle includes the HeartSign Samaritan AED, which is 2.4 pounds and is the most tolerant to dust and water. It also includes trauma shears, gloves, shaving razor, and a protective carrying case for your boats. To gain this discount, use the link in the show notes on our website or in our Instagram link tree to hit the landing page for AED One Stop Shop. Hey, this is Sam. I'm driving a 2023 Nissan Rogue. This is a four-door, all-wheel drive SUV. It has five seatbelts and a large cargo space on the back. Great car to load up with friends, family, and get to the river with all your gear. It has a high profile. You can see up and through traffic. It has a strong engine, a smooth, consistent shifting with the transmission. Really solid car. Feels really safe in traffic with weight and without weight. The all-wheel drive adds a lot for the traction and for the handling and the performance. You can find your Denver area Nissan dealers online, www.nissanusa.com.
Hey, y'all, here's a quick narration about this next segment from JC. At one point in our conversation, we got way off track on some tangents, and we were talking about various river regions of the United States and more rural river running versus more urban region river running. And so we will pick up here where JC is describing the first river company he managed in a small rural river town. Like The last, the last river I was on, um, 11 rafting companies, two gas stations, and a restaurant. That was the entire town. Mm. That was it. One stop sign, or well, I guess it was a three-way stop. But that was the entire town. Um, you know, in the, in the summer, there'd be hundreds and hundreds of raft guides working for these there. In the wintertime, dead as hell. Literally just an exit on the side of the highway. And, like, you know, it's, it's, it gets weird in some of these little rural areas. And I'm not talking smack on, on that city because I did create a life there for years and years. Um, or that town, definitely not a city. Um, but, you know, when I, right after I took over uh, the first river company that I actually managed, I'm in this gas station in this little town, right? It's the only gas station that sold booze. So I'm in there, and I'm, I got like a 12-pack of, of beer or whatever at the end of the day. I'm standing in line, and there's two guys in front of me, obviously raft guides, wearing shirts of the company that they work for. And I literally hear one turn to the other, and he says, Oh, hey, have you heard about that faggot they got running such-and-such company down the road? Talking about me. They have no clue who I am. They don't know me from Adam. All they know is what they've heard through the rumor mill that there is a faggot running a river company and they cannot fucking believe it, right? Like, that was so eye-opening to me. That was one of the very, like, I remember it clearly. That was a, one of the few times that I very clearly remember in my head just thinking, like, oh, shit, I'll never, I'll never be accepted here, right? These are people that I don't know that feel so comfortable in making statements like this that they'll do it in this tiny little town surrounded by raft guides in this gas station wearing the t-shirt of their company they felt so comfortable in that homophobia and where they are that they had no problem saying that not knowing who the hell i am like and i just i leaned up to him i said hey i'm jc i'm that faggot running the company down the road if you got anything else you want to talk about you know where i am and i literally i didn't even buy my beer i set it on the counter and walked out like but that's just like that granted that was a while ago that was a long time ago but that's still the shit that we deal with as queer people in these super rural areas. Like if I was someone else, if I was a new guide, if I was a first year guide and I had some sort of interaction like that, who knows if I would stay in the industry? Who knows if I would just say, you know, if I was a new guide and I experienced that, maybe my brain would immediately go, that's the entire industry. I got to get the hell out of this, you know? And that sucks when I think about like the number of queer people that I know who did a season or did two seasons and then stopped mm. because they felt so unwelcome in these rural areas. But like, is that, is that aggression that you're like, you're, you're giving the example of in that gas station? Like to me, my thought is like, like if a person quits river guiding, that, that aggression is not isolated to river guiding. Like it's no. probably something that you as a, as a mm-hmm. queer man will encounter. If you're a school teacher, if you're yeah. a nurse, if you're a, um, you know, like a, a truck driver, whatever industry you go into, mm-hmm. there's going to be a segment that's going to be mm-hmm. hostile. Yeah. You know, I can't speak on personal experience to any of those industries, but because, you know, I, I say this all in the context of the river industry because that's, I mean, river guiding is my life. So, like, that's what I right. know. Right. Um, you know, a, another great example of, of stupid stuff that happens because of homophobia, I 
my first year of guiding, I was kind of bouncing around and doing some, some different rivers and such. And I showed up to Merck a trip, um, for some of y'all not in the Southeast, Merking is short for mercenary or rent a guide out here or whatever. Just someone who doesn't actually work full time for the company. Um, but I showed up to Merck some trips. I had some friends that worked for this company and worked, uh, like a Saturday, did like two trips. And then, you know, I, t- I talked to the river manager at the end of the day, like, Hey, you know, I, I'm interested in coming out here more. I, I like the place. I love this river that I'm on. Um, flat out told me that he would never knowingly hire a gay man and that he would not be calling me again to Merck for him. You know, this is someone who the entirety of their interaction with me was putting, putting me on the schedule. And then I ran trips and through the grapevine from his guides and blah, blah, blah. He finds this out and then bam, right? Like had nothing to do with my ability to guide that river. Like I had clean runs, like had nothing to do with that. But flat out told me I'll never knowingly hire a gay man. Don't come back. Like that, that's, you know, again, both of those instances were a while ago at the start of my career, but like stuff I'm suing my last company for that happened in 2022. So it, you know, it continues on. Eventually in your, in your river guiding world in the Southeast, you decide, well, you've gone back to Texas, you said, Mm -hmm. and you're living with your dad and you are waiting tables, right? You're going back to that world. And, and so you, you decide to move to the Southwest United States. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Why did you move? Like, what influenced where and and why you moved? Why why didn't you relocate to a different state, different region in the southeast? Why did you come so far away? Yeah, I didn't want to stay in the southeast after that happened because I had worked on so many rivers out there, and I had worked with so many companies, whether actually you know fully guiding with them or just marking for them, and I had seen how I was treated from not just my last company for, but from years and years. And like, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking shit on the whole Southeastern boating community. I'm not at all because I spent so long there and it's holds such a deep place in my heart. But I wanted to come out West to see if I would be treated differently out West because I'm gay than I was being treated in the Southeast. I was so distraught and so, like I said, lost after I left that company. I couldn't even think about trying to get on with another company for the rest of the season. I couldn't. Especially on that river, I had managed two companies on that river. I didn't want to stay on that river because I knew that community. And again, I still have super close friends that work there. But what I was getting thrown at me was too much. Um, So, you know, I went back to Texas. I was waiting tables really rethinking what I wanted to do with like my entire life. And I had a friend of mine, she told me about this, this Facebook group base camp. And she said, Hey, you know, I know that you, you don't know what you want to do, but throw a post up, throw your resume out there, see if you get any bites. And so I made a post on this Facebook group, which is a massive Facebook group. I'm just like, Hey, this is my experience. This is um, what I'm looking for. And then was contacted by the company I work with now, by the HR department. Three months later, I was moving out to Utah. Um, so I got a job as, as the operations manager here, jumped on a flight, came up here with two dry bags and a backpack. Now I live in Moab. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? I mean, are you glad you made the move? Yeah. Is it feeling like oh, yeah. You, yeah, you dig it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Moab is a sweet place. Uh, the rivers and the sections we run out here are some of the most amazing places I've ever been and there is a definite difference in the community out here for sure um you know I can't say that that's the entire west but I know the the boating community in Moab 
just welcomed me with wide open arms. You know, I took over um, managing this company. There was a solid guide staff already and they could have very easily just like looked at me like, who are you kind of thing. But it was like full welcome, open arms. They were all super motivated to give me every ounce of beta that I needed. And, you know, it's like I had a lot of anxiety coming out here in terms of, you know, being being an open gay man running a river company and literally days after I moved up here, I had none of those worries at all. I feel finally like I'm in a place where I can focus on the work of getting trips on the water, getting guides work, you know, all these things and not have this like, oh, is someone going to say something really homophobic and shitty to me later? You know, I don't I don't have that worry. The idea that someone might say something shitty and homophobic to you Let's say that happens while you're paddling down the river and you got a, a boat full of passengers, clients. Like that to me feels like a risk management element that suddenly you're mentally distracted because mm-hmm. someone just talked shit. Did that come up in all this like as as a safety element? Like did your yeah. guide peers, managers consider that? You know, I've thought about that aspect before. I'm not sure that a lot of people think about that aspect of it, but like I've definitely been in boats going down the river where all of a sudden I'm hearing shitty things from guests, right? Like mm. I've I've definitely had trips like that that, you know, someone says something off color about gay people or trans people or all these things and like immediately I'm like, "Oh, well what do I do now? Like how do I go from here with these guests because we're still on the river we got you know another hour two hours on the river we got some major rapids we got to get through so like it's an interesting one right because like the professional in me wants to just say oh just just ignore it keep going on you're paid to do a service you're paid to provide this experience um don't bring that aspect of it in but the other part of me is just like how do i protect my guides if they experience something like that right Mm -hmm. And, you know, the company I work for is, is very, like, takes those things seriously, especially on multi-day trips. If, if we get back from a trip and, and there was a guest who said some very inappropriate things, we have ways to, to follow up with that guest, follow up with the guides, make sure that they're good, check in with them, you know, all those things to happen. But there were so many years where I was just, like, I wouldn't say I suppressed it, and I've never, like, been in the quote-unquote closet, but... I definitely alter how I interact with guests based off of things that they say, right? My guide stick is a massive, like, 72-inch Warner guide stick, and the blade's painted rainbow, right? So, like, I've had some instances where, like, I've met uh, a group and gearing them up, and just from, like, a couple minutes of talking to them, I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to take a customer paddle on this one, right? Because I don't want my massive rainbow oh, wow. paddle oh, wow. because I can mm. kind of gauge if they're going to have an issue with it right so yeah there there's been times where i've i've altered not who i am but how much i discuss about my personal life with guests same goes with with guides same goes with co-workers you told us earlier that you are currently suing one of the old guide companies that you worked for and that that's in a, in a federal court right now mm-hmm. by having this conversation with me but but by telling us that you're also in a court case like that's that's a that's a that's a message mm-hmm. um that this is the kind of next level serious this the the way you were treated what what is it that you're looking to share with other river guides who are lgbtq plus identifying about the legal protections that they have 
if they are experiencing abuses that that categorize as like sexual mm-hmm. and orientation based abuses. Yeah. First off, I preface it with I am not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think that's important. Um, I can only speak for what I've learned by going through this process, and is that there are protections on a federal level for people who are discriminated against or harassed in a work environment um, due to their sexual orientation or gender identity. One of the interesting aspects of it is that that protection came about very recently. So I think it was, I think it was 2015 that the EEOC, which is the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, um, actually started covering sexual orientation-based complaints because they interpreted um, the definition of sex under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. <laughs> I'm trying to like remember this. They actually started covering gender identity and sexual orientation in the workplace. It wasn't until 2020 that the Supreme Court actually held that decision up and said, yes, sexual orientation and gender identity are covered under the definition of sex in Title VII. So up to 2015 in half this country, and a lot of states had different laws in place, but there was the whole country, there was no federal protections for private employees who are discriminated against because of their sexual orientation. That's wild to me. That's, that's seven years ago that there was actually started to be a way um, for people to report employers um, to the EEOC in eventual hopes of bringing about lawsuits. Um, so kind of the way employment, things like this go, the EEOC um, does investigations. So you have to report these things to them. They investigate. Uh, there's a bunch of different avenues that they can go through with my case. Um, They handed me a right to sue. So I think it's important for queer people in the outdoors to know that there are protections, right? There are ways to make sure that you're not discriminated against or harassed based on who you fundamentally are as a person. It's unfortunate that in this country, something major has to happen to you for any laws like this to apply, right? And... I think it's important for for both outfitters and guides to know that these things are illegal. Um, You cannot discriminate against employees based on their sexual orientation or gender identity. It is illegal. I think oftentimes queer people who want to work in this industry feel like they just have to deal with it to be able to do what they love. And that is like such a terrible thing to be like, if I want to work on the river, I'm just going to have to deal with these terrible jokes or like this, you know, microaggression, homophobia, or flat out aggressive comments and prejudice thrown at them. And I don't want any person who wants a career in the river industry to feel that way, to feel like they're not welcome to do what they love, again, based on fundamentally who they are as a person. So I think it's, I think it's super important to like bring these stories to light. The river industry has seen at least what I've noticed in the past maybe five years is this change in what the industry is discussing in terms of um, diversity, equity, inclusion practices. And it is at the forefront of conversations now. Thanks a lot to like organizations like America Outdoors and AO. They um, focus heavily on things like that at conferences the past couple of years that I've seen. So I think it's a good time to capitalize on this discussion and bring these stories to light. So if a river guy's feeling that, the discriminatory, oppressive behavior from their peers, there are steps they can take. They can engage with the 
EEOC? Uh, yeah, they, yeah, the EEOC. Yeah, they can go there. They can do other things. You know, a question I have is for any level of guide, how would you suggest, recommend that a river guide suss out the best place to work? Yeah, you know, I've interviewed and hired a lot of guides over the years, and quite a few of prospective applicants do ask, you know, questions about the community there. And so I think an, an open dialogue from those those hiring managers between potential applicants is the first step to kind of suss out whether that company is a good fit for you, right? And that goes over so many different aspects, not just, you know, sexual orientation or gender identity. There's always two parts to an interview process. You got to make sure that the applicant's right for the company and that the company's right for the applicant. Ways that I kind of do that as a hiring manager is I do get asked that like community question a lot and I'm, you know, honest about it. Like, hey, you know, like this is this is a community that it's safe. Um, you know, we're not going to be discriminatory in, you know, these ways. Um, but it's like so hard because you never know exactly what you're getting into till you get hired and go to the company, right? Mm-hmm. Like we all put on our best face. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. So like, let's take, for example, when I f- decided that I was going to continue pursuing a, a career in management for river companies, that post I made on Facebook, I very clearly in the post said, preferences on an LGBTQ plus friendly company as I'm a proud gay outdoorsman, right? So that's how I presented myself. And that automatically roots out the the hiring managers who have those prejudices to begin with. And I debated whether to put that in there, right? Because I was like, oh, I should let my experience and my resume speak for itself. But there was like no way I was going to allow myself to get on with the company that I would just experience all this bullshit again with, right? So like that was the way to make sure that I would be a good fit at that company and that would be a good fit for me. Hey folks, this is Sam. Right now I'm driving a 2023 Nissan Rogue up a river canyon. Here we go, we're gonna do some passing. This car is really strong and smooth with its transmission. It feels very powerful, very safe and very steady. Easy to drive, handles great. Has a small footprint in the lane and yet it really feels like a big car. It's got big windows, was driving it yesterday with four big guys. It handled the load great. It handled the space of us really well. This is the kind of car you can put your boats on the roof. You can load the back hatch with lots of river gear. The other thing I've noticed about this car is that it has an incredible turning radius. You can find your Denver area Nissan dealers online at www.nissanusa.com. Our sponsor today is AED One Stop Shop. River Guides and River Outfitters, AED One Stop Shop is working with the River Radius to offer you pricing to get ready for this coming river season. AED One Stop Shop has been working with River Outfitters for 10 years and they are providing a bulk order discount on their AED bundles right now that allows for complete deployment of AEDs throughout your river outfitting company. AED One Stop Shop is a national dealer for AEDs, working direct with manufacturers, providing lightweight and portable AEDs for specific needs, pediatric, adult, bilingual. To gain their discount, use the link in the show notes on our website or in our Instagram link tree to hit the landing page for AED One Stop Shop. So one thing I want to ask about is the idea of the token LGBTQ plus river guide Mm -hmm. and how... Sometimes a river company, river guiding company, will take their one or two LGBTQ plus river guides and elevate them in certain aspects, but then not always. And I think that that's not just exclusive to LGBTQ plus, but to 
the person who's black or the person who's indigenous or the person who is a veteran or the person who is whatever. Can you talk about that aspect, please? Yeah, you know, I, I can't really, you know, touch base on the tokenism in terms of like people of color or women or anything like that. But I have seen it at companies I've worked for. You know, something shitty will happen. Something homophobic will happen. You know, there's animosity somewhere. And a company will say, oh, well, we can't be homophobic. We have a gay as a river manager, right? Like, like I can make a, I can say a shitty thing over here, I can say a shitty but we're thing not homophobic. Because JC's gay. That always blew my mind. This like, oh, it's okay. We, we got a gay one over here so we can say these shitty things. It's okay. He's cool with it, right? Whereas I wasn't cool with it, but at the same time, am I going to you know, make this huge ruckus about it. I think in terms of tokenism, there's definitely some instances where companies do do that. I never felt like the token gay, but I know a lot of people who have. Um, I know a lot of queer guides who have felt that way and left companies because of that and tried to find more inclusive companies with a guide staff that more accurately represents them. Um, and it's a hard thing to do. There's, there's not a lot of us, right? Like there are, and there aren't like there, there's a good amount of us, but there's not, there's not enough queer identifying people in the industry right now to completely avoid having a tokenism situation go on. I've worked for companies where I was the only gay person and had been the only gay person in years and years and years and i shouldn't say that right because there could have been other ones but whether they felt safe enough to disclose that part of their life is a completely different subject but yeah i don't know that's a, a that's a weird one for me i'll put it this way i don't feel like a like a like the token queer at this company at all that i'm with like period people in the southeast have made comments that like the only reason i got this job out here was because i'm gay i've heard that from, from people I know in the Southeast, right? Which is wild to me because it's like, okay, you saw me managing companies in the Southeast. Why would you assume that I would get this position just because they're looking for, for a gay man? Like, it's not that way. But I have heard that. So, like, people do view it like that. Like, any time someone that is not in a majority community, anytime someone who's not in a majority community or they're, you know, actively in a historically marginalized community. Anytime someone like that gets into a, a higher up position, a lot of people immediately jump to this like, oh, you know, affirmative action, diversity hire, nonsense, right? And I'm not saying that doesn't go on, but I just know for me that that's not how I view it. Like, I, I worked hard to be where I am now. Like, I worked really, really hard to be doing what I want to do. And for someone to, to make a claim that I got a position just because of, um, you know, needing a, a token gay man to look good is so disgusting to me to think about. So one thing I want to do that I think is important, I don't think it's fair to suggest that it's like a Southeast problem versus a West problem. No. So I want to clarify that because <laughs> there's been the unfortunate situation that you experienced this this uh, sexual discrimination in certain places in the Southeast and that you are not experiencing that in the Southwest. Yeah. So in respect of that, take take a moment to talk about the excellent experiences that you've had in the Southeast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first off, I'll say I'm not, not talking smack about the entirety of the Southeast. Again, this is just my personal experiences. Yeah, I mean, I had amazing times in the Southeast. Like, the rivers out there still hold such a massive place in my heart 
the Appalachian Mountains are the what the oldest mountains in the world. Like there's so much magic in the Appalachians, and it is gorgeous. It is beautiful, and like again, I have some of my closest friends in the world still live and guide in the Southeast. Yeah, I love the Southeast. I, I absolutely adore it. The Appalachians are amazing. The river sections up are just fantastic. Like, are you kidding me? Like Section Four Chatuga. Ah, uh, one of my favorites. Like the Ocoee, fantastic. So much fun. Golly and the New, amazing runs. Even like some of the lesser known ones, like the Nolichucky, gorgeous, beautiful. When it's high, amazingly a good time, you know? So like, I do love the Southeast. I, I do like the Southeast. Um, it, it got just, it got to a point personally for me that I, it's a weird way to say this, I couldn't go on fighting for my right to be there and that's that's a really weird bold statement to make because again this is just based off of the companies i worked for the interactions i had the communities i was around and i'm sure there are amazingly inclusive and welcoming companies in the southeast i have no doubt about that that there are some companies actually i know a few off the top of my head that are that are amazingly welcome and and diverse and very inclusive um but there are, there are, unfortunately, some bad actors out there. It would, it would take a lot for me to move back to the Southeast right now. And there are cultural differences between the boating industry in the Southeast and, and the West. And maybe I just haven't experienced some shitty things that go on out here, right? Like, I'm not making this blanket statement that the West is, like, so inclusive and welcoming and all that. That's just from my experience of who I interact with and the companies that I work for. Um, so yeah, I want to see what the West is about, right? Like I, I, I know a lot of guides who, you know, spend five, 10 years, however long in the Southeast that come out here and then finish their career in the West, um, just for that change of pace. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how long I'm out here, but I have no intentions of going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> Not at all. So how can, how can you be supported? How can other river guides who are LGBTQ identifying be supported by their peers in the river guide world. Yeah. I think a lot of that starts with, um, trainings through companies. Um, so I think a lot of, a lot of companies do really good jobs on doing sexual harassment trainings and putting this, you know, in these types of discussions, um, about what is, discriminatory what is offensive what can be considered you know actual sexual harassment um i think there's so many companies that do such a good job at the beginning of the season having these trainings and discussions so i think that is an amazing first step um for companies to include things like that i think the next step is it's hard to be an ally right like it's hard to know when as as someone who's not lgbtq plus identifying it's hard to know when to step in if you think that you're seeing something that is, you know, discriminatory or would be considered harassment, right? It's it so depends on how the person takes it, right? Whoever that language or whatever's happening is pointed at, it's so dependent on how they take it, right? Because there are so many situations, especially in multi-day guiding, where, you know, maybe someone says something off-color to me that I don't like, right? I don't like it. But am I going to make a big deal about this when I got four more days in the wilderness with this person? And so it's hard for someone on the outside of that interaction looking in and observing to know, am I supposed to step in now? Am I, you know, what if I step in, am I going to make this worse for this person? One of the things people 
allies can do is is just just talk to the person. Like fully open communication is how we take on a lot of this. How we defend ourselves for a river guide on the outside looking in and and seeing something that they may be wanting to stand up for someone else about talking to that person being like hey are you okay what's going on let's walk over here this way let's get out of this situation let's discuss it do you want me to do anything right now do you want me to just listen to you or you want me to help with this situation um and i think that goes a Mm -hmm. long way of just having those discussions Mm -hmm. Um, just be like hey i heard that terrible thing that person said to you let's walk over here and talk about it like what do you need me what do you need me to do right and i think that goes an insanely long way i've had people do that um for me where they've overheard something um you know one instance something that wasn't directed at me but it was about gay people and i barely overheard it right i was busy doing something else i think i was in the kitchen cooking or something and you know i overheard it but you know whatever right and then i had another guy come up to me and go hey do you need me to go talk to that person like did you hear what they said do you need me to go explain to them why that's unacceptable and i was like whoa whoa like it barely even registered for me which is a sad part because a lot of times i hear mm-hmm. these things and they don't register because i've grown so accustomed to hearing them but it was amazing to have that person as someone who doesn't have a dog in the fight to be like hey what do you need me to do right now and i think that that goes a long way for building a better community within your company or your your river community can you define what ally means in this context Ally would be, you know, someone who doesn't identify as, as LGBTQ plus or queer or, you know, basically someone who identifies as, as heterosexual cis person uh, that is there, you know, that pretty much just a friend, right? Just, just a friend, someone, someone that you have a, a relationship with who will, you know, stand up for you when things like that happen. Anyone can be an ally. Let me put it this way. When allies... <laughs> When people who do not identify as queer, LGBTQ+, stand up for someone else who does, it does nothing but build a better community, right? It's not detrimental because if an ally is sticking by you and saying, hey, I don't appreciate this either. Hey, these things should not be happening. All you're doing is bettering your community. All you're doing is making it a better place, not just for queer people, but for every single person that you associate with. I've definitely had quite a few close friends over the years um, that have had my back and and things like that. I understand that there are some guide companies that offer some river trips in the season that are specific to for people who identify as LGBTQ+. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. Yeah, I know of these, and I know some of the people who own and work for companies that, that do these. Um, so I do know of a couple LGBTQ plus specific trips that, that go out in the West, which is an amazing thing to see. And I think that those type of like affinity space trips are super important, like getting more people into the fold of, of river recreation, getting personal investments into protecting these places, because I've had these conversations with guests before that one of their biggest reasons of not to book multi-day trips is that they don't know if they're going to be safe while on the trip right they don't know how Mm -hmm. the other guests are going to interact with them they don't know how the guides are going to take it um and it is a very real worry right we're in these super wilderness areas days away from anything and you know from a guest perspective 
who maybe has never done anything like a multi-day river trip, that's terrifying for them if they identify as queer. That can be absolutely terrifying that they're in a rural area with people they don't know. So there are some companies making like definitive moves to do these queer specific and LGBTQ specific trips to allow those people a space where they know that they're going to be safe in that trip. And we're not just talking like river safety. Obviously we're talking river safety, but like it's the emotional safety mm-hmm. as well. They can mm-hmm. fully feel like they can be themselves. I was actually a part of a all queer trip down Dezo um, back in the fall with, you know, queer guides and guests. And it was like amazing. We didn't run it differently than a regular trip, but it was just so fantastic to have this group of, of other gay identifying men boating. Like that's yeah. not a thing that happens a lot that you get a, a group of, of all queer, all LGBTQ plus people um, together on a river. And that was an amazing experience. And I, I absolutely loved it. And I think for companies or organizations looking to, you know, kind of bump up the diversity of their guests, um, that is an amazing thing to offer. So if a person wants to find that, like they can just do a Google search what would they put into the, into the search engine? Yeah, I actually, I, I searched it just yesterday and I put, uh, my first one was uh, gay river runners. I was actually interested in, in seeing if I could find any history about openly gay river runners in the past. But like the first couple of results were for companies doing LGBTQ plus specific trips. Just simply doing a search along those lines will mm-hmm. bring the person that, yeah. to oh, that yeah. company. Yeah, and the, a lot of those trips are marketed, you know, LGBTQ plus specific trips. That's yeah. how a lot of those are yeah. kind of marketed. All right, JC, thanks for being a guest on the River Radius, sharing your time, your story down here by the river. Really appreciate you coming on and, and uh, yeah, hanging out with the River Radius. Yeah, th- thanks for having me, Sam, and I appreciate you and the River Radius working to put stories like this out. It's uh, immensely gratifying for a lot of queer people to, to see their, their stories getting told. An LGBTQ Riverside thank you goes out to John J.C. Covington for sharing his story with the River Radius. We have two sponsors today, AED One Stop Shop, providing volume and outfitter discounts on AEDs. Use the link in the show notes and on the sponsor page of our website. And the Denver area Nissan dealers are also our sponsor today. You can find their links in the show notes and on our website. And very importantly, your support as our listener is our biggest support. And so a request to you, if you like what you hear here on the River Radius, Share it with your friends. Tell someone you know about the podcast. And if you don't like what we're doing, send us an email. Let me know. I'm the one who answers the emails. I'll read it. I'll get back to you. And thank you for all your support. All River Radius social media is supported by Samantha Sice. All River Radius music comes from the lap steel guitar of Gene Reiniger. Be in touch anytime. Hello at theriverradius.com. Thanks so much for joining The River Radius. And you just cruised around (laughs) in your life (laughs) what would your normal be like what would your life be like well cruising around means something different in the gay community we don't have time for that um (laughs) okay uh sorry Uh, that's good (laughs) i'll just uh assume i'll just make assumptions but carry on uh should i (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> should I rephrase that shit? <laughs> I think you should keep that in. Um, uh, okay. okay. Sorry. That's great. That, that is great. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Can you give me the condensed version of the question? Yeah, yeah, man. 